the Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your host, Patrick Run and Rob Davis. <laughs> I just realized I said host and not hosts. Eh, well, it doesn't, really. <laughs> we are one. Um... <laughs> one are we uh okay so uh episode three um today we're going to be covering uh a little bit of news from the dresden verse uh, a little bit of an update from our own reading uh and then our book club where we're going over uh episode uh, episodes chapters four to six of stormfront uh and then having a bit of a discussion about some of the themes and questions raised by those chapters uh, if you haven't read them yet, um, go download the book uh, and give it a read. Or if you don't really fancy doing the whole reading thing, which, fine, uh, you can come and uh, just listen to our description of it and our breakdown of the chapter. Uh, so uh, we're going to start with our power networking section where we talk about uh, what we've been doing and a little bit about the world of Dresden Files uh, in general. And... Uh, Rob uh, finished, uh, hit a major milestone this week and finished Ghost Story. Do you want to talk a bit about it, Rob? Yeah, um, I was pleasantly surprised because from browsing all the Dresden Facebook pages recently like to share the podcast around, it seems like Ghost Story seems to be like the most, or one of the most polarizing books within the community. Um, it's mm. It seems to be a lot of people are either like, oh, it's it's shit, or, you know, they really, really like it. Um, I was in the camp of people that really liked it. I felt after changes, after the sheer mayhem of changes, it was a nice change uh, of pace. Yeah. Like it went back to being a bit more smaller scale, kind of like the earlier books. Um, mm-hmm. And also it, just seeing the whole consequences of the end of changes as well was really cool to see um whereas previous books i know i feel i feel like you know the vampire war starts and then like the next book later it's like and it like a year or certain amount of months have passed and harry's sat on a bench being like yeah there's a war going on and then it like goes into that Mm -hmm. whatever story they're going into but um yeah, Ghost Story was a nice change of pace, and I feel towards the end it sets things up perfectly going forward for the uh, what should be called uh, the Dresden Epic at this point, I feel. <laughs> um, so why do you think that people have a problem with Ghost Story? Um, I can kind of see why. I mean, the, the reason why I loved it so much and I'm repeating myself a bit, is that change of pace. Um, from book, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of when. Maybe um, the book after Blood Rites. Uh, I want to say Deadbeat. Let me check my shelf. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, around, around Deadbeat, yeah. it feels like it, it, like the, the whole climatic battle towards the end seems to escalate. Like you've got the whole T-Rex riding thing. Um, whatever happened in the book after that, them going to Arctis tour. And it's all burnt down. Um, and then all the stuff at Demon Reach, the 
changes, obviously. It, it, it escalates. Each book got bigger and bigger and bigger in scope. Um, so, yeah, it's just nice to go back to that kind of smaller scale of we just need to catch a guy doing black magic as opposed to we need to catch this person who's going to trigger, you know, World War Three by doing this. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think that um, that kind of resetting of the stakes uh, was really important. Yeah. Because um, you, you can't just have, like, build up, build up, build up, build up, build up. Um, that- changes was a payoff. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's where people kind of are, are a bit let down. Maybe after all that build up, they expect, especially with how changes ends. You're expecting mm-hmm. in like another book of just pure like insanity, I guess. Yeah. Whereas it's used as more of a reflection period, as a little little breather before I guess things get mental again. So I can totally understand why people might feel a bit let down by that. Yeah. Something that um I so that I, I quite liked about it actually was that uh, by the time what we get to changes, Harry is like at um, an incredible power level, like possibly one of the strongest wizards in the Dresden verse at that point, at least in evocation magic, maybe not in the more like fiddly magic. Um, and something that's really interesting about Ghost Story, uh, without giving too many spoilers, is that uh, to some degree he is depowered. Um, and I think that makes for, it it takes him away from just being able to hit things. Um, not that that's all he does, but in changes, he was very blunt, uh, and he now has to kind of get a little smarter with how he works. And that sets him really up, uh, really well up for the next couple of books, uh, where those sort of thinking things through and keeping his cool, is going to be a, a key plot point, really. Definitely. Um, how do you feel about your next book, which is Cold Days? Yeah, like, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I've, I've got them all lined up, um, and I was going <laughs> to go straight into it, but I feel like uh, after going straight into um, Ghost Story from Changes, I felt like I needed a bit of a breather myself before my head explodes. Um, that's fair. Um, and also, I'm trying to yeah, uh, bridge the gap a bit more, so, so that when I finish uh, skin game, I'm just trying to think like, uh, that we want to pull out from there. Uh, has doing the podcast and going over uh, a restoration of faith and the start of um, Stormfront changed your reading of Ghost Story at all, or like the later books? Um, it has, and I I think we covered this in Restoration of Faith, but I think do you remember me asking? Um, whether or not Nick from Restoration of Faith and his little investigation place pops up again. And you were like, oh, funny enough, it does. And yeah, I completely (laughs) forgot about that. And then it popped up and I was like, oh my God. And I I think I was reading this at like two in the morning and I was tempted just to call you being like, oh my God. And yeah, I didn't because (laughs) two in the morning. But that, that was pretty cool. And there was a lot of references as well to the earlier books, especially Stormfront, the case. Um, trying to think what else was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have made notes while reading it. 
but yeah, and also kind of reading Stormfront. Oh, now. We'll, we'll get to Ghost Story. Don't worry. <laughs> Eventually, but uh, I'm just going to pick out something from Stormfront real quick. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, there's there's a bit I think in chapter four where he mentions, um, you know, he knows a really good private investigator that might be able to help. And he doesn't name like give them a name or anything, but my mind instantly jumped to Nick. So same, same. Um, I I think that is really cool, and some of the conversations with Murph as well, even at the beginning of Stormfront, I I got the feeling at like I don't I don't know if it's me putting more context onto the words than were intended but that first encounter in restoration of faith i just felt like it it kind of it linked in really nicely it was like um you could see how their relationship had grown from that first encounter to Mm. stormfront and i I could kind of picture it really solidly yeah um awesome awesome uh okay so uh and is there anything else that you want to mention on Ghost Stories? Ghost Story, Not sorry. That I can think of. If I do, I'll just you know interrupt later on. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Standard. Um, in which case, uh, so uh, there's been a bit of news in the world of uh, Dresden Files this week. Uh, Battlegrounds, uh, the... Not the next book, but the book after that, book 17 of the Dresden Files series, uh, is set to be released on the 29th of September. Um, uh, about uh, two, three months after uh, Peace Talks, book 16, uh, which is re- uh, released on July 14th. Um, Battleground has now been given its uh, official cover, uh, which we will be linking to in the description, but um, it is absolutely awesome. Um, Something that I really like is that the art that they've done uh, for all the books um, has typically kind of shown a Harry-like figure. Yeah, Harry Dresden, I guess, as envisioned by uh, the cover artist. Um, in like darkness or you haven't really been able to see his face um, he's always kind of like in the shadows uh, where his battleground he is front and centre and ready for combat um, what did you think of the cover up? have you seen it? yeah I really liked it it's, um, I noticed something in particular about it being his staff has a, like a speared end but I don't know if you've noticed that at all ooh <laughs> I hadn't. Uh, let's. That's pretty interesting because uh, definitely from like the trailer that we saw uh, yeah. as well, I do get the feeling that that what Harry's going for here is going to be massive. I think I don't know if I imagine this or not, but I'm, I think I remember reading or hearing that uh, Battleground is meant to be quite as big in terms of scope as changes. Yeah, um, I think I think we did briefly mention it in the last episode, um, which is just that's pretty cool, uh, and makes me really, really want to read Battleground. Um, 
Yeah, looking at the, the image now, uh, it's definitely like a bladed staff um, of some sort, which is very interesting. Hmm. Do you reckon uh, it's going to be related to the story at all? Or do you think it's going to be like the hat? <laughs> I uh, so the, the the running joke of the hat. Uh, do you want to do you want to quickly explain that one? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know any actual context behind it other than on all on like all or most of the covers uh, is depicted with Dresden wearing a hat. Um, I, I don't think at any point in the series he's described as wearing a hat. I, I know there's a throwaway comment at some point where he's like, oh, don't do hats. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the company that makes the at least the Dresden Files RPG is called Evil Hat. Yeah. Or something like that in reference to it. Yeah. Um, which is just like a funical side. Um, I I don't know because I, I feel like Jim Butcher uh, really likes to mess with people's expectations, and then he has often said he lies about plot points and stuff um, in interviews beforehand before his book is released. That being said, um, I I think that if he's going into combat. That makes sense to me for him to have like a a bladed weapon like that, um, and be more like just another way to fight. Um, I suppose Uh, it'd be interesting if that turns out to be one of the um, the swords of uh, the Order of the Cross, um, or something like that. But again, I'm. I'm not sure that I would want Harry to be wielding that. No, I feel that would be like a bit, a bit of the Bleach scenario. I don't know if you were ever a fan of reading or watching Bleach the anime, but like, uh, yeah, it was like, I'm the... <laughs> like every every arc, like it gets to a point where he just goes like down on his luck, getting his ass kicked, and then he gets like another power up, whether it be mm. like the Quincy power or whatever. And just by the end, he's got like every like known power like going. Like his his mum was a Quincy, so he's getting Quincy powers. He's got like hollow powers. He's got whatever the frig, all the other stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the writer for Bleach. Just would, yeah, yeah. But then I always heard that the writer for Bleach only really likes drawing cool fight scenes. So he just had to build a story around that, <laughs> and then it just like he's just trying to up himself on the fight scenes, apparently. So, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I can kind of get that. Um, I've only just seen the like synopsis, like blurb given for uh, Battleground. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Um, no spoilers in it. Just. Things are about to get serious for Harry Dresden, Chicago's only professional wizard, in the next entry in the number one New York Times best-selling Dresden Files. Harry has faced terrible odds before. He has a long history of fighting enemies above his weight class, the Red Court of Vampires, the Fallen Angels of the Order of the Blackened Denarius, 
the outsiders. But this time, it's different. A being more powerful and dangerous on an order of magnitude beyond what the world has seen in a millennium is coming, and she's bringing an army. The last titan has declared war on the city of Chicago and has come to subjugate humanity, obliterating any who stand in her way. Harry's mission is simple but impossible. Save the city by killing a titan. And the attempt will change Harry's life, Chicago, and the mortal world forever. Very dramatic. I like it. I know, right? <laughs> I feel the Titans have been mentioned at some point. Yeah, I feel like I might be confusing it with the Outsiders, though. Maybe. Um, that's interesting. Anyway, uh, I, I hadn't seen that before today. Uh, that was posted uh, uh, late last month, by the looks of it. Um, so. Uh, the other thing that I was going to talk about um, is a really small piece of news. Um, but if you're starting to get into Justin Files um, and want to have a little bit of merch, uh, there was a really interesting, um, I don't know, happenstance that uh, occurred. Um, on the Jim Butcher website, you can order various different pieces of Jim Butcher um, Justin Files merch. Um, and they had a pentacle um, that they were selling, a pentacle amulet like the one that uh, Dresden uses in the books. Um, I think we actually might be coming up to the first mention of it uh, in Stormfront. Um, and it's basically what he channels his power through, and he has it uh, from his mother. Um, they, due to the current uh, political... Uh, disaster situation, whatever you want to call it, um, they were unable to get the components that they normally get to make the pentacle amulet. However, they were instead able to get a different type of opal, um, which uh, is like flecked with like pink. Uh, and so, what they decide to do is they've made um, a pentacle amulet for Molly. Uh, who readers who are following along with us and are only at Stormfront won't know, but later on Molly uh, is a prominent character in the Justin Files series, um, and among many different things, uh, she becomes Harry's apprentice for some time. Um, and this amulet, um, the kind of spin that uh, Jim Butcher's putting on it is saying that this might be something that uh, Harry would have crafted for Molly. Um, as kind of a gift, uh, a protective ward, that sort of thing for her. Um, it's the Winter Lady's Ice Opal Pendant. Um, some of those words uh, maybe references things that happen later, uh, may not. Um, but the the pendant uh, is, is, is beautiful uh, and uh, is something that you can get a hold of. It's a limited edition because obviously they're only making it during the current crisis. Um, so if you want like a piece of kind of Dresden history, uh, you can find that on Jim Butcher's website and we'll be linking to it in our description. Um, yeah, I just think that that's a really cool kind of idea. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> 
<laughs> can't really expand on that at the moment other than I just I just want the books. <laughs> <laughs> just just give me the books. <laughs> I've slowed like I read like ten books in about six months and I've slowed it down over the last two years waiting for these for peace talks to be announced. And now that we finally got a date, that's just all I care about. <laughs> oh man, and like I when I was in uh when when we were finishing uni was roughly when skin game was around. Yeah, I think it was uh, maybe. Yeah, um, and I finished. I finished skin game like the year after we finished uni, yeah. uh, which uh, yeah would be what twenty sixteen. Um, yeah, around then. So. Yeah, um, it's it's been four years, Rob. <laughs> oh man! And I can't wait to get uh, a next book. Um, right? Okay. Cool. Uh, so let's continue on to uh, the book club. Uh, and last time. Uh, we covered the first three chapters of Stormfront. Uh, Harry was introduced uh, in a brief conversation with uh, a mailman. Uh, he was contacted by a woman called Monica No Name, uh, who had a missing persons case that she wanted him to take a look at. Before he could uh, properly talk to her, however, he was contacted by uh, Murphy, the uh, head of SI, Special Investigations, Chicago's kind of uh, catch all for the weird and wonderful side of the criminal underworld. Uh, Harry went to a murder scene and found uh, a mafia enforcer and a prostitute uh, had both been killed uh, during the act of sex uh, with their hearts exploding out of their chests. Very gory, very graphic, uh, lots of fun for everyone. Um, and then uh, we had... Uh, as Harry left the scene, um, he was uh, trying to decide whether or not to uh, look into the magic behind it, knowing that the White Counts would come after him if he did. Uh, Murphy had a, a talk with him uh, and basically convinced him to look into it. Uh, then he was starting to walk home, realised he was being followed, uh, made a bit of a chase of it, uh, and eventually was corralled into the car of none other than Chicago's number one crime boss, gentleman Johnny Marcone. Uh, the two had a brief tete-a-tete, -tete, uh, at which point uh, Marcone soul-gazed into Harry. Um, soul-gaze being where kind of uh, a wizard is able to look into the soul of a mortal and a mortal is able to look back at the wizard. Neither can really know what the other one sees. Uh, Harry looked into Marcone and saw that he was cold, calculating, efficient, and utterly terrifying. Uh, Marcone looked into Harry and took the measure of him and realised that there was no way he could bribe or corrupt Harry. Uh, with that, Marcone made a kind of perfunctory offer to say, please just don't investigate this case. Go about your business. I'll pay you double normal rate. I know that you're struggling for money. Harry was like, nah, I'm not doing it. Uh, at which point, um, Marcone said, fine uh and 
released him from the car. Uh, we also had a brief introduction of uh, Murphy's partner, uh, Rawlins. Is it Rawlins at this point? Uh, Carmichael. Carmichael. Where am I getting Rawlins from? <laughs> I think he might he might be someone later. Um, yeah, uh, brief introduction to Carmichael and uh, the introduction of Hendrix, uh, Marcone's number one bodyguard, uh, with a little mop of ginger hair. Uh, Dresden then returned to his office, uh, and that's where we pick up today. Um, with chapter four, uh, and Rob, do you want to give us an overview? Yeah, a breakdown of each chapter at the moment. Uh, he gets back to his office in time for the meeting with Monica, no last name. Um, well, there we get the setup of her husband, Victor Sells. We find out that he is a bit of a dabbler in magic and not the party kind, Pat. <laughs> real magic a little bit of black magic maybe who knows we'll find out won't we not that <laughs> dungeon and dragon magic oh my as monica describes it but um <laughs> excuse me we also get from that the kind of i know caution distrust with magic like how a little bit more of insight of how it works i guess um, mm-hmm. Go into that with when the actual discussion. Uh, rolling on to that from chapter five, we're introduced to two more characters of the Dresden world, two of which I deem to be incredibly important, especially one of them being very important for the next 10, 12 books. 12, um, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I couldn't remember the uh, numbering for the moment. But um, on top of that, we also get a nice little location in the form of uh, McAnally's Bar, um, owned by you know one of the key characters I mentioned, McAnally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say about him, most of which we'll save for the discussion, but he's a man of very few words. Yeah. <laughs> um and the other character we're introduced to is none other than Susan Rodriguez, reporter for the, I can't remember what it's called now. Is it Chicago Arcane? The Arcane. Something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Reporting on the uh, supernatural events going going on around Chicago. Um, and then for chapter six, we get Harry investigating, doing a bit of investigations for uh, Victor Sells which leads him to a lake house. Uh, there we get a bit of the explanation on uh, summoning and you know, circle, how, how it affects uh, fairies and whatnot. And then we get introduced to, my word, how did I forget this? A third key character. Toot, toot. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a love and craving for pizza, if I remember right. And he has no preference. It can be dogs, it can be Pizza Hut. He doesn't care. And then finally the chapter <laughs> ends with the introduction of one of the wardens of the White Council, Morgan. I can't remember his last name, but he's a bit of a Larry bastard. We can tell you that much. I believe it is Morgan Proctor. I, I for the love of Christ cannot remember off the top of my head. No, that's a Futurama character. Yeah, the, yeah it is. <laughs> it is. 
Oh, man. Uh, no, Morgan's his second name. It's Donald Morgan. That was it. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Weirdly, because of the Donald bit, I always picture him in my head as being Donald Sutherland. So I should have been, <laughs> I should have been able to get that. But whatever. It's all good. But yeah, that, that sums up the uh, brief summary of the chapters. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, a, a lot of kind of big moments uh, and uh, just generally um, lots of setup uh, for more key points uh, later in the series. Um, really, really uh, a great uh, couple of chapters. Um, and I feel like now we're really into the meat of Stormfront uh, as is. Um, so, I think. Uh, oh, uh, one, th- uh, just a couple of things that we glossed over uh, in chapter four from Monica, no last name. Um, Dresden receives a scorpion pendant. Oh yeah. Um, which seems to be some sort of like casting. Amulet, and something I like about it is that Dresden does say that um, such a thing has no good or evil to it. Um, however, the design of it was uh, designed to kind of irritate and agitate the wearer, uh, like the the kind of claws of the scorpion would kind of point into the wearer, um, and that would uh, more like than not make a wearer cast dark magic with it, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, with the meeting with Susan, uh, she asks him on a date yep. um, at the end of that chapter, uh, which um, kind of begins to set up their, their romantic relationship. Um, and yeah, I think that's it really. Um pretty well covered it uh so uh shall we go into the discussion let's do this son let's do this thing so the first thing that uh we pulled out to talk about was lesser practitioners and the distrust of the white council i think this this is a real interesting uh choice for the dresden files and um maybe comes a little bit from like jim butcher's uh personal views um, of kind of uh, anarchism and, and that sort of thing, uh, which I feel he has touched upon in a couple of interviews. Um, but like uh, low-level practitioners of magic, um, which aren't necessarily considered wizards, a wizard has a particular kind of level of magic in the Dresden Files. Um, low-level practitioners are able to gain information from uh, magical bookstores, uh, regular bookstores, even in like uh, Monica, no last name mentions the kind of uh, religious section in her local bookstores where um, her partner, Victor Sells, uh, started to learn about magic. But there's a lot of distrust surrounding the White Council and wizards. Um, and at this point, I'm not really sure why uh, Butcher decide to put that in. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, it's 
definitely a bit more of a setup. Like, I, I guess it's so it doesn't hit you full force because we were introduced to Morgan uh, at the end of chapter six. Um, and uh-huh. I thought dropping that mention of the White Council early kind of, and it kind kind of you know what to expect when Morgan shows up. I mean, he he does give that little speech where he's like, you know, you you're guilty of this and that, blah blah blah. But um, they're kind of setting up the distrust with the White Council early on. Kind of let, lets us know what to expect and how it gives us a bit more insight to Harry's character as well. He's he's gonna get shit done, and he'll kind of not mm-hmm. do what he means is necessary. But we know he's recreating the um uh, the death ritual thing as well. Yeah, the heart exploding spell, which he shouldn't be doing. So. Yeah, I feel all these mentions of the White Council so far lets us know that they're they've got their rules, but they're very strict about it. And I guess knowing the whole what we find out from Morgan, the Sword of Damocles, and all that and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, kind of lets us know that Harry is kind of already in their bad books. I guess like he's already kind of pushing his luck by doing any kind of magic. I guess. Yeah. Um, I I definitely uh, I can definitely see that. I suppose um, if you're gonna have a wizard and a wizard, even uh, Dresden verse rules versus Harry Potter rules, which we've talked about in the last couple of uh, episodes, um, has so much power. You need uh, any sort of authority or governing body uh, over that wizard to seem even more powerful and even more intimidating. Mm. And I think uh, a really good way that they set up is is with Monica, no last name, knows very little about the world of uh, magic um, and what that can mean for like her husband and, and what her husband is able to do and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but she has already had drilled into her from her husband that um, these are dangerous people. Uh, wizards are dangerous people. Um, and uh, she's so guarded about um, even even revealing uh, who Victor Sells is. Um, so I've got like a little like reading uh, to do with this part where she says, yeah. uh, where, where Butcher says, Monica, I told her. There are powers in the universe that most people don't even know about, powers that we still don't fully understand. The men and women who work with these powers see things in a different light than regular people. They come to understand things in a slightly different way. This sets them apart. Sometimes it breeds unwarranted suspicion and fear. I know you've read books and seen movies about how horrible people like me are, and the whole suffer not a witch to live part of the Old Testament hasn't made things all roses. But we really aren't any different from anyone else. I gave her my best smile. I want to help you, but if I'm going to do that, you're going to have to give me a little trust. I promise I give you my word that I won't disappoint you. I saw her take this in and chew on it for a while, while staring down at her hands. Victor, she said at last, Victor sells. And I think that straight away just shows the, the level that Harry kind of has to go just to even get basic information off uh, magical practitioners. Definitely. 
Okay, uh, and and I think yeah, uh, setting it up as a as the authority is probably the the main reason for that distrust of the White Council. But uh, it definitely seems like a an interesting choice uh, to me, at least, to to make them this fearful thing. Especially when they're called the White Council, it sounds like something that should be good yeah. and kind of. Uh, I, I can't help but think of Lord of the Rings with like Saruman and Gandalf and Gladriel and Elrond. I think that's maybe part of it as well. Like you have that expectation, you expect them to be, I guess, you know, righteous, forgiving, and all that. Mm-hmm. Of what they actually are, which is, I mean, I guess in a sense they are righteous. Um, forgiving is something they they are not. <laughs> They're very much. <laughs> <clears throat> judge, jury, and executioner for the wizarding world, I guess. I feel like yeah, the vision of them is uh, like kind of holy, almost, or like Gandalf-like wizards, and they're really more like the CIA or the FBI um, with the co- with like surveillance and distrust and uh, looking for like every opportunity for something to go wrong and there's a lot of bureaucracy that's kind of brought into it definitely um okay so uh, we'll move on to the next bit which is max uh McAnally's bar uh and just kind of want to talk about uh why it's so important to dresden files and why why we kind of love it um What's your thoughts about Max, Rob? Um, he makes great ale, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess beyond that, I know he's he, even where I'm at now. He's still a big mystery. I don't know if it's I, I've already forgotten if it's stated in that chapter, but his bar is kind of uh, like neutral ground. Yeah, I think I think it's mentioned. Like vampires can go there. Uh, anything from the magical world can go in there, um, and not, you know, be hassled, I guess, by other races. Like for example, um, you know, if Harry knocks out a vampire, for example, and then they go to Max Bar or they meet each other again in Max Bar, they can't cause trouble. Um, Definitely, and that's. Quite a big. I mean, I, I can't remember if any other place like that is mentioned, like outright like that. Um, but I mean, also the character of Mac himself is still a huge mystery. Like, I, I, I don't think we know anything really about his mm. past, his background, other than he owns this bar. He doesn't say much. He'll cook you a mean steak sandwich. Um, every now and then, he's like, he's an ear. To listen, I guess. But like, like in the book that um, not ghost story changes. I think when he when you've got Dresden you know, rolling off to him, being like, "Oh, Susan called me," and it just describes Mac as like Mac leaned over, eyebrow raised, <laughs> and like Harry's like, "Turns out, turns out I have a kid with her," and like Mac's only reaction is like he like sighs, turns around, picks up a bottle of whiskey, and pours both him and Dresden a shot. 
it's very much like that throughout. Like he doesn't get he doesn't really get involved with anything. He's just kind of there. And <clears throat> I think at one point it's hinted, isn't it, that he can he is a bit of like of an ass kicker. I, I I remember in a previous book at some point someone goes in there with like plans to cause trouble and Mac just like mm-hmm. looks at them, like gives them like the Paddington stare, like proper stares them down, and they're just like, oh shit, and just kind of like leave. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of implied that I don't know if it's with it being neutral ground or what, but it is just very much implied that if you go in there, cause a bit of havoc, Mac is going to have your uh, arse for grass, I guess. I think it's in uh, Cold Days. Um, there, there is a, a larger section about Max, um, and they still keep a lot of it, a, a lot of him, a mystery. Um, but someone actually goes in there and starts a fight, um, and it, it's definitely shown that Mac is a part of the the community, uh, the magical community, um, and it, like is well. Or at least was well known at some point, um, and uh, it, it's 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 a really interesting place because it's kind of um, it's it's a good place for Harry just to kind of sound off to to Mac um, and just like talk about what's going through his head and often give some exposition, um, but. There is a there is a bit of an undercurrent of the there's a bit more to this place than meets the eye, um, and at the same time it, it's also a sanctuary, um, and I think that that w- that's a really important thing to have um, on the kind of political intrigue side of the Dresden Files is having somewhere where good and evil can meet and fighting is taken off the table. Yeah, um, I think I think that makes for some very interesting encounters. Uh, so I was just going to uh, read the first like description of uh, Max, um, yeah. and something I really love about it. So I like to think that, well, you, you'll you'll see you'll see in a second um, the way that he set up the the pub, uh, and I really think that, that gives it. Um, it it so it like, kind of diffuses magic, and in that way, I think it's. Uh, a safe harbour for those that are kind of a, a bit out of control as well as those that might be worried about being in a fight. Um, so I see it as a bit like a magical shelter as well. Yeah. McAnally's pub. Yep, sorry. McAnally's is a pub a few blocks from my office. I go there when I'm feeling stressed or when I have a few extra bucks to spend on a nice dinner. A lot of us fringe types do. Mac, the pub's owner, is used to wizards and all the problems that come along with us. There aren't any video games at McAnally's. There are no televisions or expensive computer trivia games. There isn't even a jukebox. Mac keeps a player piano instead. It's less likely to go haywire around us. I say pub in all the best senses of the word. When you walk in, you take several steps down into a room with a deadly combination of a low clearance and ceiling fans. If you're tall like me, you walk carefully in McAnally's. There are 13 stools at the bar and 13 tables in the room. 13 windows set up high in the wall in order to be above ground level. Let light in, let light from the street into the place. 13 mirrors on the walls cast back reflections of the patrons in dim detail and give the illusion of more space. 
13 wooden columns carved with likenesses from folk tales and the legends of the old world make it difficult to walk around the place without weaving a circuitous route. They also quite intentionally break up the flow of random energies, dispelling to one degree or another the auras that gather around broody, grumpy wizards and keeping them from manifesting in unintentional and colourful ways. The colours are all muted, earth browns and sea greens. The first time I entered Machinelli's, I felt like a wolf returning to an old favourite den. Mac makes his own beer, ale really, and it's the best stuff in the city. His food is cooked on a wood-burning stove, and you can damn well walk your own self over to the bar to pick up your order when it's ready, according to Mac. It's my sort of place. I want to go there. I think that's... I 100% want to go to Max. I, I would love if... If Dresden ever reaches kind of some degree of mainstream popularity, uh, although uh, that worries me as well, um, if they ever made a Max pub, it would be incredible. Man, next time we do something, <laughs> we're like we're, we're just going to get some ale and make a steak sandwich. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Um, so yeah I, I, I've always kind of thought that like oh if there was like a someone who was just discovering their magic power maybe uh, someone would kind of shepherd them to max because the the whole 13 motif and the circuitous route would kind of disrupt their power and allow them to kind of safe harbour uh, at least for some time um, and yeah I, I just it's a it's a really cool place Um it's one of the the like iconic settings of the Dresden Files, um, and and I guess that's kind of all there is to say about it. It's an awesome place to be. Yeah, there's. I mean, he's a man of few words, and there's not really much to say about him at the moment. Mm. He is just kind of a springboard, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, one other thing I do like uh, is it's described that. Uh, he will uh, only really speak when what he's got to say is meaningful. Um, and a great example of that is when he tells Harry that he's being followed to Max. Yes. <clears throat> um, and with that, uh, we kind of get the reveal of Susan. Um, and the start of their sort of interaction. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it's... <clears throat> it's. It, I've always found the relationship between them to be a bit weird at the start. But not, not the bad kind of weird. Weird mm. in the way where once they are dating, it feels like very little changes. Like, I don't know how to explain it. And also, I haven't read Grave. Oh, wait, is it Grave Peril when they're actually officially together? Or are they together in Full Moon? Uh, full Moon, they're definitely together. Yeah. Um, I think by Grave Peril, she's elsewhere. Fair enough. I can't really remember. But I mean, either way, it's been a while since I've read any of the earlier books. Because I've only read them once. But um, it... Off, off the top of my head, I just remember feeling like there was no real kind of... There's nothing really to distinguish between them. 
dating and not dating apart from them actually saying that they weren't dating. But that might, yeah, that might just be me thinking that. And also, like I say, I've not read the other books since reading them the first time. I, I, it's definitely kept uh, to some degree um, ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, where the relationship is at, and and that's kind of Dresden all over, and it even it even picks up on it in this chapter. Uh, he talks a little bit about uh, whether or not he can commit to Susan, um, because of kind of the dangers of of magic and and the world that he's involved with. Um, and 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 I kind of think that's why. Um, how did you find that kind of the interaction? Yeah, I, I think it... um, I enjoyed it. it. Felt like uh, playful banter, I guess, is a good way of describing it. Where um, you know, she she asking about are there any cases going on, and he's like, nope, nothing. But she can tell he's crap at lying and knows that he's working on the case with Victor Sells or whatever it is, and he, he kind mm-hmm. of gives her, like the inside scoop, and I I quite like. I feel that's one of the big things of their relationship at this point, it feels like she's very, I'm trying to think of a character to compare her to, but I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I guess down on her luck kind of reporter who's looking for that story, I guess. And Harry's that her like reliable, kind of like similar to the relationship of Murphy, where Harry is the reliable source that gives her the information she needs for her reporting job and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or makes it more real. I get the feeling that I get the feeling from her that she often is like flirtatious to get her story, but with yeah. Harry, it's turned from just a, a kind of her using that to instead uh, her. It, it's real. Yeah, and there's definitely that moment where she she like she like leans over and asks him a question. And he, he answers like mm-hmm. direct. They've already soul gazed as well, which was established, I think, during the conversation. And um, so he's making eye contact. Yeah, a, a really nice little punt and payoff um, that they have is when Dresden first talks about soul gazes, he mentions that someone fainted the first time that they soul gazed with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he pays off here that um, it was Susan who did. That's it. But, um, yeah, so they're staring mm. at each other's eyes, making eye contact while having this conversation. And her her response to his reply was like, Mr. Dresden, you didn't even look down my blouse. <laughs> and I, I really like that because, I mean, uh, I mean, any, anyone else, not saying he would have looked down the blouse, but he would have he would have broken eye contact. For fear of it, it shows that it's not just lust. Yeah. Um, between there them, is, there which, is that respect. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I think that's, that's really important, and, and um, I think that's what takes it away from being kind of a, a stereotypical like noir reporter uh, or like damsel um, yeah. or, or kind of relationship. Is that there's definitely a, past the banter. There is definitely a, a mutual respect and, and understanding for each other. Absolutely. 
Um, and, and I think that's awesome uh, and, and really cool. Uh, moving on, uh, we have Toot Toot. Um, and uh, the first... Uh, the Soul Gaze is uh, really the first bit of magic we see, but the first uh, kind of physical magic that manifests uh, is the summoning of uh, Toot Toot and... Uh, the use of kind of circles. Um, so several times in uh, Jensen Files, um, the power of circles is kind of brought up. Uh, and it's all that, the kind of uh, nature of like a, an unending shape and a roundness um, to things, which um, is very interesting. I think the way that Harry describes it uh, is much better better um so i'm just going to uh, get that bit from the book uh while i do uh what do you make of toot toot rob um i remember when when i first read stormfront and toot toot came into it it kind of took me out of it a bit because if it, it felt like a not a very serious character and what so far has been a kind of serious story i guess yeah, um, but then you've got to see Toot Toot's value. Like all he wants is pizza, and I feel his first appearance, especially, he he's given a lot more sass than I remember. Whereas later <laughs> down the line, their relationship is he he rocks up with a few of his little fairy mates, and they're just like, yeah, what do you need? What's in it for us? And I don't know if it's established at this point, but he doesn't he have like a contract with them where they like tidy his house on the sly and he gives them pizza. Uh, so that comes um, around uh, book four. Is that um, Yeah, he, he builds up to that. Um, it's summer night uh, that he it really gets uh, the fairies get more involved, um, and I think part of that was that I think there was some kind of trepidation yeah. uh, on the part of, of Jim Butcher to bring the fairies in because they they can. Like you say, they can take take you out of the story a bit. Yeah, but I also think it's much needed. It's kind of comic relief as well. Yeah, I mean, it it breaks up the, uh, like you say, the seriousness of the story. And Dresden, in a lot of places, is very light hearted. Like you've you've got the obviously, yeah, all the horrible shit that happens to people and stuff. But we do have those moments, mm-hmm. emotional moments moments of like comic relief which kind of breaks it all apart but it's not overused it's done in a very balanced way i guess definitely definitely um like the the sass that tutu gives and the other thing that uh, i always enjoy with tutu is that he doesn't really have um so he's existed for like hundreds of years so his memory's kind of fragmented uh like he's very like impulsive and and all about kind of the moment and what's going on right now um and he doesn't really give much thought to how the mortal world works uh so there's a great bit where uh, justin finds out from toot toot that someone ordered pizza uh <laughs> to the uh to the uh summer house and justin's like cool yeah uh, which piece piece the order from and toot toot's like uh, the the pizza people. <laughs> Tristan's like, 
Domino's or Pizza Hut or whoever, and Tutu's like, Harry, they're just pizza people. <laughs> um, uh, and and I kind of I I enjoy that like the level of just this stuff doesn't really isn't really part of my world beyond the uh, the food they they give me, um, which is cool. Uh, so I found a bit um, about the uh, the uh, magic circle theory. Yeah. Most magic involves a circle of one kind or another. Drawing a circle sets a local limit on what a wizard is trying to do. It helps him refine his magic, focus and direct it more clearly. It does this by creating a sort of screen, defined by the perimeter of the circle that keeps random magical energy from going past it, containing it within the circle so that it can be used. To make a circle, you draw it out on the ground. Or close hands with a bunch of people, or walk about spreading incense, or any number of other methods. While focusing on your purpose and drawing it, then you invest it with a little spark of energy to close the circle and it's ready. One other thing such a circle does, it keeps magical creatures like fairies or even demons from getting past it. Neat, huh? Usually this is used to keep them out. It's a bit trickier to set up a circle to keep them in. That's where blood comes into play. With blood comes power. If you take in some of, uh, if you take in some of someone else's blood, there is a metaphysical significance to it, a sort of energy. It's minuscule if you aren't really trying to get energy that way, the way vampires do, but it's enough to close a circle. And I think. Um, the the kind of motif of circles uh, and it it'll show itself in lots of different ways throughout the Dresden Files series. One of the things I like about it is that even there it shows like with the you can use incense or something. It doesn't have to be a physical line in the ground or a circle made of salt or whatever. Um, but it's a really simple. You need to make a circle to do so many different types of magic, and. Jim Butcher finds lots of different ways to play with the creation of circles, how circles can um, open or break easily. Uh, so uh, later on uh, in the second book, um, we find uh, there's like a permanent circle that's used to keep a werewolf uh, in, uh, that's like inlaid into the ground. Um at other points, uh, there's like circles made of like uh, sugar or flour that you can just like blow out so that uh, you need to, if you need to do it quickly. Um, I think there's uh, in one book a uh, circle made on like a city level or like a, that sort of like an architectural circle. Um, and it's it's just a constant sign of magic and i think it's great that um jim establishes this here as uh even to us who are readers who are treaters unknowing of the world of magic um we're immediately given like circle equals magic and this is the science science uh in uh, quotation marks of how it works so that further down the line when you start to see circles being mentioned or you start to you can piece it together while Dresden's piecing it together you know how this circle works 
um, and the kind of things it can be used for. Um, and it gives you just a little bit of information on the world, like the first kind of piece of the magic puzzle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I, that's that's pretty much uh, everything I've got to say on this. Uh, is there anything more uh, more from you on these chapters? Um, not really. I was going to mention Morgan, but given how he just popped up at the end of the chapter, it might be better to save that for the next week. But um, unless you feel there's anything yeah. you said on that, I I think um, the surprise aspect is done quite well. Um, I'm not sure if this was for you, but for me, I found that when I read, it's only the last two paragraphs of chapter six, uh, and it literally, so the the third to last paragraph is like Dresden saying, "Oh yeah, I'm ready to go home and get some shut eye." kind of thing and then uh, the second to last chapter is like uh, the man with the sword appeared um, and I, I definitely did a bit of a double take and was like did I miss something <laughs> um, and I think that's like that that sort of surprise that that creates uh, is really interesting as a reader because you're thrown into that you're thrown into the mindset of Dresden there yeah absolutely um but yes we'll get we'll get more into morgan next week um so yeah i I think that's that's pretty much uh it for this week um just wanted to give a big shout out to the support we've been getting again uh we've had almost 100 downloads now uh we've only been over two weeks uh so that's that's fantastic that's lovely to get um and we're getting uh, quite a bit of interaction on, on kind of the posts that we're putting around and stuff. Uh, we're now on iTunes. Uh, you can download us on Spotify. You can review us on iTunes. Uh, please, five-star reviews um, and good comments go such a long way uh, for us. Um, and if you have any feedback, please uh, email it to us um, at uh, paranetpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we check the emails regularly. Um, links to all our kind of contact stuff uh, is in the description of the episode. Uh, so if you have anything you want to add, anything you think we've missed or we've got wrong or any questions you want us to tackle, um, please just, just send it through and, and we'll try and answer them in, in the next episode. Um, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's it. Uh, is there anything else that, that you want people to get engaged with, Rob? Uh not really. I mean, you've said it all, but I mean, I'm sharing a lot of when the when the episode goes live. I normally sh- I've started sharing it on the uh, the Facebook page, Dresden Files, and I think the Jim Butcher Appreciation Group or Society, whatever it's called. Um, if you're listening and you happen to be on one of those groups, you can also contact us on there. Just comment on the post, letting us know what you think. Um. If you have any questions or want us to cover anything on here, then again, post in the comment. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and yeah, do you want to just take us out? Yeah, you've been listening to the Paranet podcast with me, Rob Davis, and... Patrick Lerner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Grab yourself a can of Coke, relax, enjoy the rain... It's raining where you are now. Um, Yeah, and we will see you next week. Take care. Thank you very much. Mm